Alright, and welcome back to the goalpost. We are back after an extended hiatus, and we're finally in person, Patrick. Bit of a different feel. We're back. We're in a professional studio right now, Damien. I don't know who let us in here, but we're in here. We're taking it over. It's nice to be back. Nice to be face-to-face for the first time, actually. So I just I just can't wait. Excited to be back, and no better time than the now, really. No better time than the now. This is a great time for sports. It's right before that kind of baseball lull of the summer. We're wrapping up all the super exciting stuff. We've got NHL finals right now, NBA finals. CFL season's about to kick off. We got stuff rumbling in the NFL. So it's a good time to be talking sports. Shout out to the Story Arts Center. We're here in these beautiful studios talking face to face. And we got some things coming for you guys in the future regarding video podcasts, some new fun content that we're going to be doing over the summer. Just kind of, you know, getting a bit more creative now that we can be in person. Yeah, we have too much access, you might say, for pretty much any sort of video, audio, production, really anything. We have, uh, it's, all at the, it's all at our fingertips here at Centennial. So that's kind of where we've been recently. We, uh, we were busy. We went to Florida. That's kind of where the hiatus actually happened. We, we were busy in Florida. We had an experiential week where we were interviewing a bunch of athletes, making stories, producing a bunch of stuff over there. Um, so we kind of, now that there's been a bit of, not a lull in school, but we kind of know what we have. We have a standard schedule, so we can kind of work around that and we're back. We want to do more of these. We enjoy doing them. And I'm just, I'm just really excited to get back in the studio here at the Story Arts Center and, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. Get back to kind of giving you guys that one pot a week that we, uh, we were on the regular schedule of before. I think that gives us a nice time to kind of recap everything that's happened in the last week of sports and get you ready for the next week as you move into the summer here. Everybody's kind of dying for some sports content. So hopefully we can be there to provide it for you. And that'll kind of bring us right into the most pressing and our first topic, which is recapping game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Vegas at home against Florida takes it 5-2. And they come back again. Vegas is kind of the story of comebacks so far in the playoffs. Um, And there's been you know, kind of this over and over comeback. This is their ninth comeback of the NHL postseason right now, and that ties them for third in history uh, with most comeback wins. Tied for one is the Avalanche in 2022. We obviously know how that worked out. Uh, and then the Penguins in 2009. We obviously know how that one worked out. So obviously a good pedigree so far for the Knights. They're able to win tough games. The signs are there, you're saying. It's uh, it's almost inevitable that the Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup final after those after those stats. But you think. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But no, game one, uh, my initial thoughts going into this series really were I was excited. I feel like it's pretty balanced overall. I mean, obviously the goaltenders might be the only thing where it's not necessarily balanced, but Aiden Hill's playing pretty well right now. So can't count him out for, for anything, even though Sergei Bobrovsky's been world-class. But overall, I just... Game one, it was just such a fast pace. The game was so fast. It didn't really feel like a game one of a Stanley Cup final where usually that first period they're kind of feeling each other out yeah, a bit. A lot of defensive yeah. defensive actions, kind of clogging up the middle, see what's going on. But it was end-to-end. It was up and down all around. And, yeah, I think if every game is going to be like that, we're in for a hell of a series. I think it's going to be a somewhat long one. But uh, I'm excited. These teams also – it was pretty quick to uh to see that they don't like each other it's you don't always see that with the east west first games yeah that was kind of my first thought going into this final series is this team or these two teams are going to beat the hell out of each other obviously 
Florida kind of crawled their way to the finals through doing just exactly that, beating their opponents down and kind of wearing them down in those long, close games. They had a bunch of games that were decided by one goal that they came out on top of. And similarly, Vegas, they're a huge team. Everybody's been talking about how big their decor is, about how tall those defensemen are. But, you know, they're not – they weren't leaning into kind of that dirty, rough – get under your skin play they just play a really tough style of hockey to play against and are super disciplined how much how much worth do you put into the big defenseman narrative that's going on right now well I think it's kind of a bit of a chicken and the egg thing in the sense that obviously you can have big decors I saw somebody post the heights for the Arizona Coyotes and it was you know a ton of tall defensemen but that's only goes as far as how good those defensemen are I think the big thing is looking at you know, pedigree guys like Petrangelo and Theodore who can take big minutes and happen to be physical players. So it's almost the best of the both worlds for them. Yeah, I think take it with a grain of salt sort of thing. I mean, obviously, if you can have a young, huge defenseman like the ones that you mentioned, and even Nick Hag, who's a young guy, can move 6'6". Like, that's those guys are unicorns, though. Like, they don't grow on trees. Maybe we'll see more of them in the future. But overall, I mean, yes, Vegas is huge on the back end. And I... I think you kind of saw it early. I think Florida didn't have the same success as they had against those, the three teams that they played in the East where they could kind of get under your skin early, kind of send a message, you might say, get a retaliatory penalty, draw it up, go four on four. But you saw it near near the end with uh, Nick Hag just kind of laughing at these guys because they know. I mean, they've been here before. They're bigger than them. And obviously they were leading the game at that time, so it was kind of – garbage time and yeah kinda, you knew yeah. nothing was really going to come from that so maybe things can change in the heat of the moment and say a 2-2 game something might change but overall it just looks like Vegas is very very poised it's I mean it's they've been here before right second cup final in the last six years I believe they've been to four conference finals since their it's pretty impressive existence so I mean all Vegas really knows how to do is playing big series playing big games yeah, and I think that Haig laughing there is just you almost pulled your card too early if you're Florida. Like if you're resorting to that stuff in game one, you can obviously say it's a late game and they're down already and they're tr- just trying to you know make a impact going into the next game. But you can't kind of be pulling those tricks out too early because it, it showed, I think, a sense of desperation. I think that Kachuk getting that 10-minute misconduct at the end was just – kind of the opposite of a good cherry on top, like a bad cherry on top of a game that was pretty messy in the third. I don't think you want a guy like that to be sitting for 10 minutes regardless of you know where you're at in the game. Um, but I think that Kachuk is going to now really have some eyeballs on him in the sense that he really benefited in that time off in between the series. People were talking about him everywhere. He had a People magazine story on him. NBA on TNT. NBA on TNT. So I think that now once you're down 5-2, then people start to actually point the fingers a bit harder and say, okay, how does Kachuk take this team, who he's obviously leading now, and get a game one win on the road or a game two win on the road after this? Yeah, I think think Sam Bennett got a 10-minute at the end of the game too. Just kind of nonsense, right? I mean – those two have been kind of looking for no – they've been up to no good the entire playoffs. So, honestly, I'd say it's a good move from the ref, just kind of getting those two guys off the ice uh, in the last five minutes of the game or so. There didn't need to be any more stuff like that. But I think it was one of the few refereeing decisions that were good in that game. And I think it is trying to send a message to, to Chuck and, and It was Bennett. a weirdly ref game in, in general, kind of. Yeah, I think – I think they were trying to set a precedent at the beginning of the game where they didn't 
they tried to avoid what happened at the end, but the calls that were sandwiched in between the beginning of the game and the end of the game did not go along with the precedent that they set early. I mean, we saw that that hit on Nick Cousins. I mean, who would I think defending Nick Cousins? I never thought I'd be in this position, but he just got absolutely stapled from behind. Yeah, board, cross-check, really whatever you want to call it, it it would have played. And I don't know if it's like a a suspension-worthy necessarily, but 100% a penalty, and it shouldn't be discussed at all. And if you want to do game management like these refs do so often, that would be a perfect time in the game to really have given Florida that power play. It's not like there was anything, you know, hanging in the balances and Vegas was, you know, absolutely up on them at that point and then things kind of turned for the worse after that really it kind of ended up being a turning point in its own it did and I mean the Eric Stahl cross check was kind of similar I know Florida would probably point Florida fans would point at that and say so that's cross check but the other one isn't which is a fair gripe I would say but I I just the refs definitely were trying to send a message to those two Florida Panthers going into game two so I think going into game two you're gonna see I don't know what kind of game you're going to see, but I don't think it's going to be the antagonist approach that they've kind of been taking. I think it, you might see a more skilled game out of the Panthers, just kind of staying out of the rough stuff, dumping it in hard on the forecheck, kind of just what we've been seeing for the all playoffs. That last 10 minutes of the game one, that's that was a Florida team we haven't really seen come out too much in these playoffs so far. So, I mean, hopefully if we want a good series, that doesn't come out too too much anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. And Paul Maurice's quote after the game kind of lends itself to that in the sense that, you know, we all got to take a breath. I think that was his big quote was, you know, after that game, you lose game one on the road. Florida doesn't have to do too much to kind of win games so far in this playoffs in the sense of playing more than they actually are. They have stuck to their game and it's worked. Um, but you also got to lean on kind of what's gotten you there. You play a more skilled game. Let Bobrovsky make those saves. If he makes the mistakes, he makes the mistakes. But I think that you have to kind of show that you're more than just the rough and tough team. I think in the Hurricane series, the skill came out really hard. They were obviously beating the Hurricanes down, but that was like a Matthew Kachuk skill show for like the last two games of that series. So I think that that's kind of where they have to almost transition now. The skill mixed with the defense and just the collective cohesiveness of it's that unit in Carolina, that was the best. I would argue that's the best performance a team has had in these playoffs so far. Yeah. That was just – and I know every game was close, and obviously this, this series didn't reflect how close it actually was, but for Florida to just walk in there and just handle Carolina with no problems, it was, it was very impressive. And the comments made by Paul Maurice – I think I, I do agree with the breathe. Everyone calm down. It's game one. I think we're in for a pretty long series here, which I definitely agree with. But Paul Maurice is going to have to kind of stop playing the victim at some point in these playoffs. We saw it in Toronto. I believe it was game one where he flashed the five penalties to one on his hands to the ref. Relax, Paul. Get, like Games aren't always going to go your way with calls. And I think all everyone knows that. I mean, love it or hate it. It's part of the game. But... Paul Maurice going into these post-game pressers, kind of always playing the victim, always playing. It's kind of Michael Block-esque in a way where it's like, look at me. Oh, shucks. I deserve better just because it's my first cup finals. But it's no, Paul. You're going to have to deal with some of this stuff, so you're going to have to take some accountability as well. But I think the Panthers are going to be okay. I I think you're going to know pretty quickly into game two uh, how they've answered back. And I think you're going to see hard on the forecheck, responsible defensively and just 
letting Bobrovsky kind of take care of business. Yeah, that's a perfect time to move into our Game 2 preview and kind of the rest of the series preview of where this might kind of fall out. Game 1 winners in the best of seven in the Stanley Cup Finals have an all-time series record of 63-20. and 20. I was pretty surprised to find out. Always feels like that's a big game momentum-wise, but it's obviously never kind of leads to what you think might be kind of the series deciding factor. Um, but there's also been 45 games won by a road team in these playoffs, tied for third most in a single playoff year. So if there's any team that can do it, especially with the road success that the Panthers have had, I like the Panthers in game two. Yeah, that Vegas crowd is is something to behold, though, Damien. So I wouldn't count uh, – I wouldn't put it past Vegas. They jump out to a 2 nothing series lead, but I do – I just – the way these playoffs have gone on, Florida, I, they haven't lost a lot of games. Obviously, they started down 3-1 against Boston, but the way they've responded when they have to, with their backs against the wall, really, they've done it all playoffs. And I think they found that momentum against Boston. Once they just got it to that seventh game, they realized, hey, like we can do this. We're here. It's one game. They got past Boston, kind of rolled past Toronto, it rolled past Carolina, and they are a confident group right now. I don't know if they realize how confident they are, but I mean, I'm sure the message in the room is just, boys, like we haven't lost a lot. Next, next game's the most important one, and yeah, I think uh, hopefully Paul Maurice has sent a good message in that room, kind of calmed them down, told them to, told them what he told the press, and just breathe, relax. Well, that, that was the weirdest part of that third period was for a team that does look so confident most of the time these playoffs, they looked pretty off their ball, and they looked like they were kind of chasing that whole period, really chasing to get bounces, to get anything going offensively, and that kind of seemed uncharacteristic in the moment, and I think it was for that team even kind of experiencing that third to let it kind of get out of hand a bit, um, but Something I kind of want to keep an eye on is Vegas has a t- plus 25-minute special teams time differential this postseason. The next closest was the Hurricanes still at plus 1028. So Vegas has really been benefiting, I don't want to say from the refs, but from how these games have been going out and how well their power play has been working. I think it's a – well, maybe Paul Maurice must have seen this stat for the uh... – in the press conference because that is quite eye-opening. But I think it's a mix of kind of just what we talked about before. Nick Head kind of laughing. Max Domi tried to do a similar thing against them. Like, yep. It's just these 10 minutes, and obviously I know that's not playoff penalty minute time, but just the fact that they aren't taking these stupid penalties and being disciplined when it matters most, really. I mean, in tight games, or it's usually when they're winning. Uh, where, I mean, Florida, Dallas, you name it, it tries to get under their skin, tries to get a power play, or just take one of their better defensemen, get them in the box for four-on-four. But Vegas hasn't been biting, and I think that's kind of a reflection of Peter DeBoer and the coaching job that he's done with this team. And just it's a quietly veteran team, really. Yeah, and I think that they just look really pro. You would never suspect that it's Jack Eichel's first postseason. like, And I think that's a crazy stat in and of itself, but... He's got six goals and 14 assists so far, and he's kind of just been leading the team in kind of every sense. He's been leading as a performer. He's been leading in the dressing room, it seems, and how he's carrying himself in these post-game press conferences. And then he goes right at Kachuk at the end. He doesn't shy away from that, and he helps out his teammate. He's been really impressive so far. 
yeah, he's been able to mold his game to a playoff style, which I think has, is uh, a topic of discussion with a lot of stars in the NHL, how they're able to go from the regular season playing a different style of game and adjusting to the playoffs when it matters the most. Jack Eichel's been a perfect uh, example of that. You said it, six goals, 14 says. Someone else I kind of want to highlight on Vegas is Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh 10 Heater. goals, 8 assists. Yeah, out of nowhere. It all started with that, that natural hat trick. And he's just kind of been rolling throughout these playoffs. And, I mean, him and Eichel have just been leading the way offensively for Vegas. And obviously we know with the backhand. But there's someone else that I think we should talk about. Aiden Hill. Yeah, what a save. I think that's the craziest save I've seen in a like a really long time. Even they pulled up that Braden Holpe save so fast on the broadcast, and it looks like miles better than the Holpe save. It's like on the toe of his stick. Yeah, I. Uh, it's great. I would love a sports science segment on that. You know, like the reaction time, how it just everything about it was. It seemed too perfect almost, and. Wow. I mean, that it was such a dagger, too. Such a momentum killer. I was about to say, like, that would have been a huge moment in the game if Florida gets that goal. Uh, Aiden Hill obviously does not let it go in the net. And, I mean, he's just been stellar since he's had, since his number's been called. And I think a lot of people at the beginning were questioning, why not just put Jonathan Quick in net? Who is Aiden Hill? I mean, Pierre DeVore, once again, like, he has been making some great coaching decisions, obviously trusting his guys, knowing what he has in Aiden Hill, and he hasn't let him down so far. Yeah, I think that's a perfect time to kind of move into a little segment here, our way, way, way too early Con Smythe discussion. We got our odds up here from Bet365. Eichel, who we just talked about, is leading right now at plus 300. There's a couple others in the mix. They still have Bobrovsky as a favorite with Eichel at plus 300. And then they have Marcheseau, who we just talked about, at plus 450, and Hill at plus 500. What do you like so far for Smythe? Because I think after hearing that game one, uh, go the team who wins game one goes on to win, you know, 63 and 20 or something, I feel that... If you were to put in an early Smythe, you might want to throw it on a, a Vegas player, and I think I would throw it on Marcheseau if I had to bet. Yeah, the Marcheseau value is a lot. I Unfortunately, as much as I would enjoy it and it would be a fun story, I do not think Aiden Hill will win the Smythe unless maybe he goes on a crazy run, a couple of shutouts, but I really don't see how you don't give it to either Eichel or Marcheseau if Vegas wins, obviously. And... Marcius will be in plus 450, and the difference between Ike will be in plus 300, I think, is enough where it's kind of 50-50 between the two of them. It's whoever kind of finishes stronger will get it, I would assume, if they win. But I don't mind the value of Matthew to Chuck because if Florida goes out and wins that second game, that's going to drop, and it's going to – same with Bobrovsky. I think these odds reflect the game one result, which Hard. which makes sense, right? Because yeah. I believe Bobrovsky and Tuchuk were the two favorites going into the series. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, the markets reflected the game one victory for Vegas. But, yeah, I, I do like Matthew Tuchuk. I Who would you give it to for if Florida wins? I think that if Florida wins, it's it's almost turns into like an NBA MVP where you give it to Kachuk based on kind of the breadth of what he did over the playoffs. Obviously, if Bobrovsky goes out and steals this series, you're going to have to give it to him because it'll just be something that we really haven't seen since quick in that title run. 
But right now, something that I was looking at earlier is sneaky Chandler Stevenson at plus 4,000. Stevenson's got eight goals these playoffs. He's right behind Carlson in March, so at 10 each. Carlson as well, really sneaky 10 goals so far this playoffs. I think that let's say Eichel and and Marchessault are to kind of go a bit colder. I think I wouldn't be surprised for those guys to pick up kind of the brunt of the load. I think Stevenson did that a lot of the year when Stone was out. He kind of became that other offensive punch for them. So I think that, yeah, like if it's Florida, I I would have to kind of put it on Bobrovsky just based on how I think the series is going to go. If they win, it'll be because of him. I don't disagree. There are some conversations about having a co Con Smythe if Florida wins. Really? What are your thoughts on that? That's kind of NBA. That feels like an Has NBA. Has that ever happened game. before? Co Con Smythe? I've never even heard of that. I haven't heard about it either, but there were, there were some conversations about it, and I don't think it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, it's pretty candy-ass, but if there's two performances that kind of warrant it, I could see that happening in this series. Well, candy ass similar to the Jersey matchup, right? Yeah, similar. Quick aside, right now while Patrick looks up some stats, the Jersey matchup uh, in Game One was absolutely ridiculous. I just think that if you were a fan, not of the NHL, and you turned it on, you might start laughing. I had showed my girlfriend Chloe a photo of the Vegas Golden Knights jerseys, and that is exactly what she did because. They're literally sparkling. I, I hadn't really taken that into account in a lot of games. It's hard to tell when you're on the broadcast. But if you get up close and they show like a player ISO in a slow-mo, it sparkles in the light. So I think that that mixed with kind of the red and gold of Florida was a bit of a tough look. There was a lot going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, It's that's not just you. I turned my TV on and... Those Vegas goal jerseys were shining a little more gold than they usually do. And going back, there has not been a Cocon Smythe winner before, so it would be a first. But I think if it happens, it would be a worthy first. It wouldn't be like they're forcing something to happen. I think both of those those two guys have been the entire team almost. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Montour has been, I think, excellent on the back end as well. But it's really these two have been the the life of this Florida Panthers team. And uh, you mentioned Stevenson at plus 4,000. He looks stellar in game one. He was the player yeah. on Vegas that I noticed the most out there, just driving so hard outside. He's so fast, just takes the puck to the net, knows what he's doing. And, yeah, I think that's great value. Obviously, Vegas has to win the series for that to happen. But I think he's low-key turned into kind of one of the more underrated players in the league in general. It's almost like that four or five years ago Barkov conversation. Obviously, he's not... I don't think he's going to be like the all-star all-star that Barkov is, but he doesn't get a ton of shine even for being in Vegas. And he was a big reason that this team didn't kind of tank when Mark Stone went out with an injury this year. I think a lot of people are forgetting that about Vegas is that like nobody really picked them, especially when Stone went out to do anything. A lot of people were picking them to miss the playoffs. They're one of the most forgotten one seeds ever, I would say, because they, they won the Pacific. They're first in, they came in first place and I mean, nobody. I I didn't see them making it this far. I could have seen them losing to Winnipeg. Yeah. Honestly, like I, it's it's good to see though. I mean, I don't mind Vegas. A lot of people have it out for Vegas. I understand why. I mean, they're a young team, uh, just from existing in the NHL, and it's you know teams have been around for a long time. They haven't seen the same success that Vegas has seen in a very short period of time. But overall, Vegas is a pretty likable team. A lot of Canadians on the squad. A lot of veterans. Tons. 
How about that prediction by Bill Foley? I don't know if you caught that on the broadcast, but they went back to when he was bringing the team to Vegas, and he guaranteed the playoffs in two years, happened in one. And then he said, I'll guarantee a Stanley Cup in six years, and this is the sixth year. So pretty crazy stuff there. If if that pans out, that's an all-time bet on your – like, I know you're an owner and you got billions of dollars, but shot. bet on yourself, call your shot. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I think that they're kind of one of the better – teams it's obviously you get the benefit of dealing with a new generation and starting from scratch at a place where all these things have already caught up like sports science you know equipment facilities you obviously already start with all the top of the line stuff but if you're a player man like going to vegas seems like such a ideal spot right now it's also ideal because you're living in Vegas. You're not just visiting there for a game where yeah. there's a lot of distractions. It's your home. It's what you know. It's what you're around every nice single day. Yeah. yeah, you get used to it. And the Vegas flu is a thing. So you definitely have one of the better home ice advantages in the NHL. And I think uh, that's something that is very true. And, I mean, it's – I'm but not saying They're going to the, be good for a while. Yeah, I'm not I saying it's the only it, yeah. reason for their success, but I do think it has um, a little bit of uh, Oh, absolutely. It, it can't not. But uh, Game 2 runs tonight. That's Monday. And Game 3 is scheduled for Thursday, where it'll head back to Florida. I think this is obviously, you know, no shit, but Game 2 is going to be huge here. I think that if Vegas goes up 2 nothing. I think it's going to be really tough for Florida to kind of dig out of that hole. I think that, you know, maybe they get one at home and then it's a 3-1 series heading back to Vegas, which is not a good spot to be in. Um, but if Florida wins this, you know, look out. I think that then that opens up the complete, like, box of whatever the hell can happen. I mean, uh, hard to disagree with anything you just said, but yeah. uh, I guess we'll kind of get into it. Do you, what are your predictions for the series? Obviously one game down, yeah. which is kind of huge because – you didn't really know what was going to happen. But, yeah, what's uh, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of this series? I think they're going to be really similar games in the sense that it's going to be really close until Vegas breaks it open in, in one big goal, one big play. And that sounds like, you know, I'm just basing that off game one. But Vegas is the deeper team here. Like, very clearly, Vegas is the deeper team. They obviously don't have the goaltending. So I think that if they can get – you know, average to above average goaltending, similar to how Colorado won last year. Like, if you can get just fine games out of your goalie every game, they're going to have the depth to kind of just outlast Florida, I think. I'd agree. I uh, They're definitely deeper. I mean, Vegas started their fourth line. Yeah. Which, I love that move. I'm a huge fan of that one. Just kind of set the tone in a, in a game one Stanley Cup final. I, I see Vegas winning this in six games. I yeah. I don't know. I, they are bigger, faster, stronger, and I think Florida, it's almost like the, the run's kind of over. I think people have kind of figured out their style of play. It's a lot of dumping, dumping the zone, win puck battles, drive it to the front of the net. The flip they, play. They did find success with that yeah. in, in game one, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, that Mark Stone goal, you, you can't do much about that. That's just an ultimate skill play by the caveman himself that was crazy i thought that was definitely going to be a high stick too i was surprised that came back and then i saw that side like bench angle kind of and i still wasn't fully convinced they seemed on the broadcast that they were sure of it but i'm surprised how quick it was i don't yeah. necessarily disagree with the calls because i think that's a hard one to overturn yeah but how quick they reviewed that and said good goal i was i was stunned big time 
I, they didn't even really freeze frame it for you. It no. was always like moving, and you never really got a, an exact uh, stoppage of when the puck hit the the stick hit the puck and where it was in relation to his shoulders. But another thing from game one, sorry, I uh, I always forget Eric Stahl's on the Panthers. Oh, I know, I, I go, know. Who, I go, who's twelve? And then you just, you just see the old man get get down on one knee. And oh, Mark I, got, I got a hell yeah. of a stat for you. Then it. <laughs> Longest span between goals in Stanley Cup Finals, Eric Stahl, 17 years. Yeah, I guess 06 and now 2023. 17 years. How many things do you think you could list that have happened in the past 17 years? Just the entire development of artificial intelligence in between Eric Stahl scoring Stanley Cup Final goals. I have three diplomas, almost getting my fourth. Um, I don't know. That's a lot. That's He's, yeah. he's done a lot. But, yeah, I mean, the Stahl brothers are – it's crazy that they're on a Stanley Cup team right now because those Still. two guys are – they don't move. They don't move well at all. Eric Stahl barely plays. Mark Stahl, you see him out there a fair bit, but he kind of – Montour does everything on that yeah, pairing. He's time. all over the ice, as I, everyone knows. But, I mean, I I guess credit to them for being able to stay in the league this long. But, I mean, this I would assume is their last – run at the at a title yeah yeah i agree i think that the the clock's almost out for the stall boys almost had a heart attack earlier in the year during the pride night but uh moving on i think that vegas might kind of just take this in terms of what you said being the bigger better stronger faster team um but i also could see myself looking like a total idiot here and and florida really doing something it's tough to say it's like it you hate to count them out it's kind of like the heat right now yeah, it's act, it's actually very similar, both South Florida teams as well. Vegas's biggest thing is they need to keep Aiden Hill doing whatever he's doing because yeah. it, he is obviously he's one game away from just becoming a backup again. Yeah. He's been a kind of a career backup. He's obviously he started on some not so good teams. But Aiden Hill has never been known as a perennial goalie and a starting goalie in the NHL. So I mean there's always that factor, but, I mean, I haven't seen anything that would show me that Aiden Hill would go back to that. He seems to have found his game and found a, a zen-like feel to his play. But, I mean, that is always on the table with Vegas right now. So Yeah, so anything can happen still right now. It's just after game one, and we'll get back to you and check back in um, when the series has a bit of legs to it. All right, we're back now to switch gears a bit. Just wanted to give a bit of an outline into kind of what you can expect over the summer. Obviously, hockey will be falling out of season, but falling into season will be CFL football, obviously. And NFL training camps will be going on throughout the summer. So we're still going to be giving you kind of that updated look at the NFL, what's happening with rosters. Um, but then obviously we can do a bit more of a week-to-week basis on the CFL and keep you up to date on that as well. We're also going to have a bunch of new drafts, a bunch of new segments, a bunch of fun stuff for you guys to kind of listen to, help you get through your work day and just have some easy listening. And, you know, maybe even some uh, Premier Lacrosse League talk. Who knows? We'll see uh, if that's something the listeners might be interested in. A little Lacrosse League talk. But back to football, where in the NFL, CJ Stroud was making a bit of waves the other day. Patrick, what was he doing? Yeah, CJ Stroud, the newly drafted Houston Texan quarterback. Ohio State product uh, has been in the news recently, and it's not for his play or what's going on at training camp. He listed his top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and there was one that might be disputed. 
Number one, we have Jalen Hurts. I mean, I don't necessarily have him number one, but I don't think having him in your top five is... It's not crazy. It's crazy, yeah. Uh, number two, Patrick Mahomes. Shocker. And number three, Joe Burrow, which I think is... That makes sense. All right, yeah. Number four, Josh Allen. So not a pretty even-headed. Yeah, like not a crazy list. I mean, the order might be a little out of whack, but opinions matter. He opinions has opinions. Matter. Yeah, yeah. Number five. Can I have a guess of who who you think his fifth would be? <sighs> Number five. I guess depending on what camp you're in, I would still think a lot of people still slide Aaron Rodgers into that fifth slot. I just just based on name. Could yeah, be. That's not a bad guess at all. But you're wrong. Oh. Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Justin Fields. What a name. CJ Stroud has listed Justin Fields as his fifth best quarterback in the NFL. Wow. You know what the worst part about that is? It's not like he gave he gave the out of being like, I'll give you five names, I won't rank them. But you're like, I'll give you my top five unranked. Well, that's usually what they do when, you know, because obviously there's an alma, alma mater brotherhood sort of, of course. dynamic with that. Both Ohio list. State guys. Yes, there has to be, I'd assume, because Justin Fields is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that's a, a crazy take either. I think he has potential to possibly be one. But he's uh, that's just wild after, especially after the you know the the time he's had so far in the NFL. It's I think the the level headed take about Justin Fields is that he's had a lot of he clearly has a lot of talent, and the Bears need to build something around him to do anything with that talent remotely. Yeah, he's very raw yeah. as well. I think he just he needs a nice quarterback coach, needs a little bit of help around him in terms of offensive line, receivers, running back, just surround him with talent, and I think. Things good things will happen. But that's even like a different conversation. Like you, you put Joe Burrow into a Cincinnati team that was obviously better than the Bears are, but it's not like they were you know front runners in any sense when they got Burrow. They were at the bottom of the league, obviously. So I think that's a top five talent is when you can add somebody like Burrow and he immediately you know obviously after the year that he had the injury brings them success. I don't see Justin Fields doing that. And even Josh Allen. I mean, the yeah. Bills were miserable kind of before I came in. I know the first and second year weren't the greatest years ever, but there's steady improvement since he's been drafted to where they are now as considered Super Bowl contenders. So, yeah, it's uh, it's shocking. Mahomes as well. I mean, obviously Kansas City was in always pretty good hands. And, uh, I mean, it's just funny. I don't know if C.J. Stroud's trying to, like, stay in the news, trying to create headlines. I mean, I don't think Justin Fields would have taken offense if you left him out of his top five quarterbacks. I don't exactly know their relationship, but I'm assuming they're close. So there's got to be some sort of trust and realism in a friendship. Yeah. And I think that's one where you could leave him out yeah, of, you of your keep top it real five. With your boy. Yeah, I don't think you have to. Or do like what you said. You know, yeah, I got here's I, my five. I won't and, give them to you yeah. listed. Yeah. Here's five. It's the guys. rapper answer. Yeah. yeah. Who are your top five rappers of all time? All right, right, I'll give it to you. It's always like the wide receivers. Yeah. They go, okay, probably me. And then in no order. And then they just list everyone. Those, exactly. those are the best. But yeah, I mean take of the week, I guess, from CJ Stroud. That Justin is, Fields, top five. Yeah, that that's a lot. Who Let's get back to earth here. Who are you putting as your top five? Mahomes won. I mean, I, I that's got to be unanimous, especially after a Super Bowl winning season. I think that might even be the craziest thing on that list, other yeah. than Fields, is that like starting it off saying Jalen Hurts won. I'm like, 
okay, maybe that's that maybe wild. people think that's the one that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after losing in the suit. Like, that's almost an answer. Yeah, it's uh it's surprising. But yeah, yeah. I got I got Mahomes one. I don't yeah. know if that's a, yeah, a take no, that's, quake. That would be one on my list too. Yeah, so I got Mahomes one and now it's it kind of gets tough because you have to you it your opinion gets involved yeah. here because it's what you like, it's what no you want. The yeah. I think consensus. One's objective and number 2 I will go with and I'm still not fully confident in it. Like I feel like I could have a different opinion of it tomorrow honestly. But I will go with the suspense. Yeah, cuz I'm not confident in it, but I guess Josh Allen, but he hasn't okay. done there's times where I really don't like Josh Allen's game, and I think he's a crazy person, and he just hit, mashes all the buttons, as we've said before. But overall, Josh Allen's talent and just his size and what he can do is just something to behold, really. And it doesn't come around too often. No, I don't know. I just put I will re- put respect on Josh Allen's name, even though I don't necessarily believe that they will even win their division all right all right so alan two i'm gonna go burrow three okay burrow three him and alan are i think interchangeable kind of for me yeah uh four i'm going to go with oh do i make some headlines myself (laughs) gonna go with uh justin herbert oh i'm talking going into the season yeah yeah, sorry yeah. yeah this would preface it all that might be a bit of a headline mover Maybe he's in that conversation, though. Surprisingly, for most people, like right on that, right on that edge. If he doesn't make the jump this season, it may never happen, though. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's where I'm at with him. I've always thought he's very talented and just the world is oyster kind of thing. But he hasn't taken the next step that all the quarterbacks before him have. Uh, so hopefully this is this is the year for him. Otherwise, yeah, him I'm and Tua, him and Tua got a lot to prove this otherwise year. Otherwise, I'm kind of out on him. And then number five, we'll go Jalen Hurts because I think he can recreate that season. There is another guy out there that I'm just not too sure what we're gonna see of him this year. All right. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna, those are my five. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have anything crazy different. I think obviously I had Mahomes one. The two three is where we switch. I take Burrow over Allen. I like. I think Burrow, for me, I trust his arm so much that that kind of sways me when I think about quarterbacks. I'm a sucker for somebody who can really place the ball somewhere, and that'll come up later in my rankings. And I think that that kind of gives him the edge over Allen for me just because it. I think offensive coordinators have an easier time, ironically enough, calling for Burrow than calling for Allen. I think with Allen, you you have so much going on and so much that you could possibly do on each play that it kind of leads to a bit too much at times, which is what you mentioned. But I'm still sliding Josh Allen in that three spot. He's probably the best athlete uh, by far as a quarterback on this list, so he's kind of going to give you the most flexibility in that sense. Um, And then my four or five, I'm going to go four for Hurts too just because – I think that if he doesn't get injured, he wins an MVP last year, and an MVP is going to be on this list regardless of where he is. And, you know, actually, just a quick aside, did you see the reports that apparently Russell Wilson nixed the trade to the Eagles in 2022 um, before it was finalized and that Hurts was going to be in that deal? Yeah, I mean, 
that Russell Wilson deal is uh, the amount of layers to it is it's crazy. You could they can already write a movie about it. Yeah, well, that's where I was gonna go. It's just it's crazy, and just the fact that it's Russell Wilson too, and he kind of always finds a way to bite himself in the butt kind of like he just he does it to himself a lot yeah. and i mean it's just yeah a lot of layers to that russell wilson trade no kidding yeah anyways um and then in my fifth spot i had herbert but i'm gonna go rogers actually which is what i was wow. talking about with burrow i really value a guy who can place a ball somewhere and i think rogers is still like top three in the league for accuracy as a quarterback i think that Putting him in a Jets situation, he's obviously somebody whose emotions affect how he plays a lot, regardless of whether he wants to admit it or not. I think that just getting him into a fresh kind of atmosphere of a Jets locker room that has a lot of weapons at receiver, I think he's going to be able to place that ball in Garrett Wilson's hands like nobody else in the past. Like, you look at guys like Christian, like, I think Garrett Wilson's a better receiver than somebody like Christian Watson, right? So, like, he gets an immediate kind of upgrade at that position. He's not going to be asked to kind of do as much because they have a ton of running backs in that system too. I think that he's – I think positionally he's in a, a spot to be a top five quarterback this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. He was going to be one of my fifth also. Yeah. I, I went a different way, but, I mean, I'd – I think that shows that, yeah, there's probably five guys. You didn't put Justin guys, Fields yeah. in your top five. No. We didn't do anything crazy. Another one who I kind of – I thought you were going to maybe take your boy. Take my boy. Fifth to a uh, – He's like Herbert. I think that uh, this year they're from the same draft class. They've both clearly shown that they have a lot of talent. I think Herbert more so early. But I both think that for you know for them this year is a make or break in a lot of sense. Can two stay healthy? and you know be that same quarterback that he was in the first five games he was also playing kind of on an mvp pace and ken herbert kind of herbert almost has to like himself grow out of the chargers mold like he has to be the one to break the chargers mold of being you know this kind of laughing stock of having talent and not doing anything with it and i think if anything's going to change there it has to be like like him winning a playoff game for them, him getting them into the playoffs on a big game, something yeah. like that. Change the culture. Yeah, yeah, because their culture is not great. Uh, I mean, Staley no. isn't uh, helping that either, really. No. So, yeah, the Chargers are definitely a team where big year for them because a lot of changes could be made if things don't go their way. Another quarterback that I thought about, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I yeah. feel like he's not in for crazy. a big year. Finished uh, finished last year very strong, obviously, with a comeback against the Chargers in the playoffs. But I think Trevor Lawrence and that Jaguars team in general, really, will just be a, te- a fun team to watch and a team that could fly under the radar. I think they're... They cruise to a division win. I was going to say, yeah. a lock for the AFC South title. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on with a lot of those other teams, but it just seems that Jacksonville is the only one that have their heads screwed on straight Some in that division. Some sort of focus, yeah. yeah. In an actual team. And I do think they can win games in the playoffs. I, I don't know if you call them a Super Bowl contender yet, but I do think that's a very strong team in a very strong conference in yeah. the AFC. And they can score a lot of points. They're well coached. I think that if anybody's going to actually, you know, he, he, Doug Peterson's in the process of changing the culture there. I think that last year we saw that already and we talked a lot about how good T-Law was down the stretch. He's another super accurate quarterback. Like the talent is there. He can do it. So I think that the sky's the limit for Jacksonville. It'd be a fun time to be a Jaguars fan. Absolutely. A lot of people jagging off over in Jacksonville. People jagging off everywhere, and that 
is our quarterback rankings, courtesy of some C.J. Stroud hot takes. Um, but we're going to keep it relatively short for you this week and uh, just kind of give you a nice little hello, nice little check back in, see how we are, uh, and then we'll be getting back to a regular uh, weekly kind of hour. Absolutely. It's good to be back, Damien. Good to get in the studio with you. Just chop it up about some NHL, some football. Nothing better. Can't wait to mix in some CFL later on, maybe a little lacrosse as well. Just just excited for the future of the podcast, and there's just a lot more to come throughout the summer. Yeah, it's going to be a good summer for the goalposts. So for all the listeners out there, keep supporting us, keep following, downloading, sharing the show. It always helps. And, uh, yeah, we're excited to give you something good. So see you next week. See you, Damien.